I know that there are things that uh, happen to where we can't be here on time. But there's something, and trust me, as a shepherd, I don't like saying stuff like this because it's... Anyway, when you come before the Lord and there's a handful of us here, it's like a... uh, Some of us just come however and wherever. And it sets the stage for part of the service. There's a part that says, I'm not only going to worship you forever, I'm worshiping this morning. And I'm here not for Pastor John or Christ Chapel, and surely not because he said something about it. But I want you to know I've come intentional. I've come grateful. I've come sincerely. And I'm not going to offer you something left over after my convenience. God understands when stuff happens on the way here. But the attitude part. And whatever part I play in contributing to that, I repent of it. I Worship becomes glorious when he's reverenced and the freedom that comes yes he's father God yes he's protector healer provider but he's God almighty and we don't come before his presence just haphazardly I saw a cartoon the other day on the internet of Moses standing in front of the burning bush with a cup of coffee and that's kind of like this generation and so Many people will be offended. They don't want to be pastored. But if I can pastor you, may we never come back to this place just, well, he's lucky I'm here. No, we're lucky he's here. We're lucky he's here. So would you just close your eyes and make a sanctuary there for yourself? And if this morning... You've offered him your best, just add one to it. And if not, if you came in and said, Lord, that was me this morning. And I receive a word of correction. And I want to reverence you. I want to sanctify you in my heart. I want to reverence you in my heart. And see if the Lord will grant us a witness of his spirit this morning. Majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom of
Jesus who died, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. So exalt, so exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Bible teaches us to encourage one another as you see the day approaching. We want to be not only reverent, we want to be engaged, we want to be anticipating. I don't want to have to shift gears when the Lord comes for His church. I don't want to have to, oh, now I got, I've got, I said, no, Lord, I was worshiping you this way yesterday. Is that good? Is that okay? Would you do this? Would you just spread across this morning and we're going to pray for one another? Father, for our church, I pray. Put me in the beginning, O oh Lord. No more apathy at any level. No more rationalization for us. No excuses. Lord, we don't owe John Wood or Christ Chapel nothing. But you, oh Lord, deserve our best efforts, our best praise, our best emotions. You first, oh Lord. And God, I've said this to you so many times in private over the last 30 years, and I speak it over this church. I would rather hear correction by your spirit than rivers of praise from the lips of men. Because you do it in love and grace. Forgive us for being distracted, uh, complacent at times, oh Lord. Because iniquity abounds. It's easy for our love to grow cold. And I just pray, oh Lord, that Christ Chapel be an authentic place. A genuine, a genuineness about us, oh Lord. That when we lift our hands to you, gratitude pulses in our chest. When we cry tears of, of conviction or repentance, that they sting our face but warm our heart, oh Lord. We want to be ready, Lord. We want to be ready. We want to be ready for your soon return, oh Lord. Don't let us be lukewarm or indifferent in anything. In anything. 
thank you for your Holy Spirit that always tends us towards rightness and righteousness. Thank you, O Lord, for your kindness and mercy. We pray for our brother on our left, our sister on our right. Lord, if they're anything like us, they need you. They need help and hope. And I pray that their perspective be changed today when they see God enthroned in their life and over their family and their babies. And may it resound in our heart, Lord. If we will humble ourselves in your sight, then you'll lift us up. And we'll be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We bless you today, O Lord. We will not allow ourselves to give you anything but our best. And it's in your son's name we honor and bless you this morning. And all of God's people said, amen. Would you give the Lord the shout of the morning this morning? Bless your name, Lord. Bless your great name, God. Bless your name, O Lord. Hey, before you're seated, would you do something now that also thrills the heart of the Lord? We reverence him by respecting and celebrating his children. You didn't know this, but that person to your left and right, that's God's chilling. So you got to bless them and encourage them. Would you greet one another for the next few moments this morning?
If you could go ahead and make your way back to your seats, we can go ahead and get started. John Wood, I saw you with that little baby. Doesn't it just make you want to have more little babies? <laughs> you look so good holding her. She had that cute little bow on her head. <laughs> I just have to tease him a little bit sometimes. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> my name is Kelly Wood, and on behalf of my husband, John, and the rest of our staff here at Christ Chapel, I want to say good morning to you and welcome. We're so very glad that you're here today. Before we get started with our video announcements, I um, wanted to let you know if you're a visitor here with us today or if you've been here many times, I hope you are greeted warmly as you came in the door. We have a Connect card, um, a Connect guide that we hope you got in your hands. It's got everything written down about our hours for our church, contact information, you know, ministries that we have going on that you'll see in our video announcements. Um, one thing that may be in there or and may not be on the video announcements is that on April the 12th at 6.30 a.m. in the grill here at Christ Chapel, we are going to be having a men's breakfast. So be sure to put that on your calendars. Um, it's a lot of fun and it won't last terribly long so then you can go about your day, but it's a great time of fellowship with um, Christian brothers. So April 12th at 6.30 a.m. up there in the grill here at Christ Chapel. Um, if you are a visitor with us today, at the bottom of your Connect Guide is a Connect card. If you could fill that out, you can either put it in the offering basket when it's passed by or there is a greeter's table up in the foyer as you're leaving the church. Um, you can go ahead and put it in there. Um, we would love to put a gift in your hands if you're visiting with us today. Um, also, if you need to sign up to follow the Lord in water baptism or any of the other ministries that require a sign-up, you can sign up there as well. Um, but we are so very glad that you're here today and hope that you'll go ahead and hear the video announcements and then our ushers will serve our church body. Hey, good morning, church family. As you know, we've been highlighting our small groups, and here's your chance to check out yet another small group. So take a look at this video. My name's Andrew Rivard. I'm Naomi Rivard. We're going to be hosting a small groups here at the church on Monday at 10:30. I think all are welcome. It's it's a pretty broad, you know, subject that we're going to be going over. Apologetics. It's good for everyone, I think. When I became a Christian, I really wanted to know how to share my faith effectively. It wasn't something I felt like I was good at. And a few months ago, I felt like God was laying it on my heart to really pursue that and to uh, get involved with helping other people do the same thing um, in order to fulfill the scripture, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. We're going to be covering different books. We're going to start with the book Tactics by Greg Kugel. It's about different conversational um, techniques to share your faith when, um, this, when the um, opportunity arises in conversation. Oh man, there's, there's so much untrue things that are floating around in the world that that are really trapping 
people, my friends, just all age groups, really. And we have to be attacking those untruths with truth and and really putting work against the, the enemy's, you know, schemes. We'll be having uh, coffee and light refreshments. Growth. Informative. Fellowship. Bonding. As you know, small groups is the way we connect our body together in relationships. And so if you're interested in getting involved in joining one of our small groups, please pick up a small group guide on your way out. Also, you can see Drew Winters for all other details concerning our small group ministry. Also, another way to get involved, especially if you are new with us, is our Connection Point Breakfast, which is next Sunday. It's right before church at 930 we're going to have breakfast provided for you, and it's a great way to come and ask questions about our church, uh, find out ministries to get involved in, and really walk away with just a sense of connectedness. And uh, so I would love to have you come to our Connection Point Breakfast next Sunday right before church at 930. For all of my Adventure Rangers coming up next Saturday, April 9th, uh, we're going to be taking a trip to Providence Canyon. Uh, so we're going to be leaving at the church again next Saturday at 8 a.m., Bring $10, a sack lunch, and a great pair of hiking boots. And before you leave, do not forget to see Commander Jake Cox to get permission slips and all your medical release forms. Again, that trip is to Providence Canyon next Saturday. It's going to be so much fun for our Adventure Rangers. Please join us tonight for prayer in the grill from 5 to 6 o'clock. Child care is provided. And don't forget to check us out online at ChristChapelMacon.com and Facebook and Instagram at ChristChapelMacon. If our ushers will come and serve our church body as we continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings, and then Pastor John will come and pray. Let's worship the Lord this morning. for 
Beautiful. Church family, would you join with me as we lift these, our gifts to the Lord? It's with great joy this morning, Lord, that we not only offer you our affections and our gratitude, we offer you the first fruits of our increase. We are not bound by Levitical law. Uh, we are not giving to you based on that. We're giving from a place of absolute gratitude and a desire that you would use our resources to change lives. When we give to you, O oh Lord, we are sending a signal heavenward that you are first in our life. Before we provide for our families, our goals, our businesses, our pleasures, you first. And we're not embarrassed to ask you for your blessing, O oh Lord. 
put your hands upon our head and bless us, our going out and coming in. And we thank you in advance for your faithful provision because you are that good, O oh Lord. And we depend upon it and we rest in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn in your Bible this morning to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And if you'd stand with me one more time for the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 4. Man, if I could sing like that, I'd sing. I'd sing. The good, those of us that wish we had that gift and don't, we'll never have to answer for it. There you go. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing that happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, happy, blessed to be envied are you. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, and on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other men's manner, matters. Yet if any one of you suffer as a Christian, which means Christ follower, little Christ, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment will begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. You may be seated this morning. The spiritual temperature of our nation not only declined in the last 10 years, but it dissolved. Uh, your pastor does not preach on... Um, nor does he make his pulpit a political uh, platform. But you need to understand that the spirit of this world will be reflected in politics. And the spirit of this world is anti-Jesus. It's not anti-religion, it's anti-Jesus. And the decisions made in our state recently to not allow freedom of religion or expression um, is just a sign of the time. And it is not to make us fearful. We do not need or the need of the hours for all the Christians to unite and force a godly behavior on an ungodly society. No, what we need is the king to come. And when the king comes, he's going to set up his kingdom. But I feel compelled and I'm surprised at what I think is a lack of other pastors or ministers being compelled to prepare the bride of Christ. Uh, you are, I'm trying my best to prepare you not only for the return of the Lord, but of the persecution that is not only coming, but will be here. And it's going to happen almost overnight in the West. Now, in other parts of the world, it happens all of the time. It's been happening for decades. But you are going to see the expressions of hatred 
of Jesus and those that name his name almost overnight be celebrated like dancing in the streets uh, uh, on, your, on, on television and on the internet. And we need to prepare ourselves for the persecution to come. I do not believe. I have no plans on being here for the wrath of the Lord. We are not appointed unto wrath. We are appointed unto salvation. And so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, but unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We are not designed or expecting or anticipating Jacob's trouble because we're not Jacob. The Lord is coming for his church. Regardless of how many people say he's not, there's mockers and scoffers in the last day. And they'll ask me, they say, so you really believe that Jesus is going, you know, some little trumpet in the air. And all the dead people that's ever Christian is going to come up out of the ground. And all of y'all are going to meet them and be changed. And I say, yes. Yes, absolutely. And I know, we're, I know we're not going to be here for the wrath of the Lord. We're not appointed unto wrath. But the wrath of man. And the wrath of the spirit of this world. You have to prepare yourself for it. I have had groups of people uh, leave recently when we did our study on Revelation. Because they said, I don't want to hear about that. You know, we just started a family. We just, we, we want, just tell us four ways to a better life today. And God does lead us to a better life. But a planned, a prepared Christian is a planned Christian. And the Bible says a fool sees trouble coming afar off and does nothing about it. So we're not in fear of what is to come, but we're making preparations for what is to come. And I want to speak to you this morning. It may go two weeks. I'm not for certain. I don't want to be in a hurry. But I want to speak to you about persecution of the believer. It's going to be a spirit, an attitude. And from that attitude will be all types of expressions from alienation to false accusation to persecution, to physical contact, uh, uh, false imprisonment, uh, loss of job opportunity, loss of job, all of those things because the spirit of this world is going to continue. It's going to culminate and it's going to rise. The Antichrist, the opposite of Jesus is what that means. A, a, a man empowered by hell, and he's going to look like any other man because he is a man. And he's going to be the opposite of Jesus, which means he's this world minded instead of the next world minded. He caters to the, the flesh of man instead of to the spirit of man. And he's going to have to have an attitude present to ride to make the one world uh, religion, which says your religion is best. Whatever you believe, a one world government, a one world economy... And then in the middle of the tribulation period, he's going to turn on his heels and say, all of that's a lie. I'm God. And you have to follow me. So there has to be an opposition in the greatest nation, even as bad as we are on the face of the earth. There has to be an opposition for him to be able to ride in great power. So you need to prepare for this. Our governor showed recently how uh, when pressure comes to bear, priorities are revealed. And I'm not uh, bashing him. I pray for our leaders. But you need to understand that all you're seeing at a public level is what's going to happen to you at a private level. And we need to be ready. And we need to already make up in our mind, if this happens, this is what I'm going to do. And that's what my effort will be uh, in this message today. And it will probably carry over into tomorrow. First of all, the persecution to come, it's going to find you. If you're taking notes, it's going to find you. 
because it found your Lord before you. We are followers of Jesus Christ. We are to follow him outside of the camp bearing his reproach. What happened to Christ? The rejection happens to us. What happens to Christ? The pleasure of the Father. Where he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased will happen to us. What happens to Christ? The infilling of the Spirit to those that are willing and desirous and submitted happens to us. God's power flowing through him. Jesus, the God-man, all God and all man, the forerunner of the believers to come. Hated by men for no reason. Loved by the common people for no reason. If you see it in the life of Jesus, to some measure, it will be your experience. And there was great persecution as he finalized and finished his commission. And as you get closer to and finalize and finish your commission, you'll find persecution. Now it's becoming a global thing. It's not just anti-Semitism or anti-Jewish the church is the next thing. And I'm telling you as your pastor, overnight it's going to be so common and accepted. Now it's okay to just kind of poke fun at, but it will, it's going to cost. It's going to find you. And there's a part of this, you have to run two parallel streets. It's not just worried about what's coming. It's what does it mean? It means that they know. It means that it can't be hid anymore. It means that I must be different. Because if you liked me, I would be of your world. All right, it's going to find you because it found the Lord before you. Number two, it's going to find you because you follow Christ. Matthew 10, it's not enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, guess what they're going to call you? If Christ was the Lord of the flies, the head of the pagan god... We understand that we are finishing up the sufferings of Christ so that Christ will receive all glory in the saints that love not their lives even unto death and would take on persecution for his namesake. It's going to find you because it's promised. 2 Timothy 3.12 And all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Now, we read in the portion there it said don't suffer for stuff you did. If you're a murderer or envious or a lover of money or a busybody or a quarrelsome person, if you suffer as a Christian for that, there's no reward for that. And some Christians say, maybe you know one or two, they're just odd. You ever just met an odd Christian and they say, I'm just being persecuted because, no, you're weird. That's why they, no. You come in with a Bible on a dolly to work, you know, and you drag it in and you, you, slam it on the desk and you act odd and there's that's a persecution that has nothing to do with being godly but here's here's the difference it's there are other christians say well i get along with all of them i'm the friend of sinners so was jesus and they persecuted him it's those that live godly in christ jesus that suffer persecution not the believers, but those that live godly. Not those that have a mental agreement to who God is. That's not the one that suffers. The one that lives godly means different, countercultural, opposite. They bring light into dark places. A lot of what they do is nonverbal. And the spirit of this world hates God or anything like God. And you can be meek and kind 
and they hate you just because. And the Bible tells us it's predicted. If you live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. It's going to find you because of your light. Listen to this portion of scripture, John 3. And this is the condemnation that light, Christ, the primary light, came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And then in Matthew 5, Jesus said, but you're the light, the secondary light. The same word where it says Jesus was the light of the world, and you, or that light come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. That same word that Jesus applied to himself, light, is the same Greek word that he describes you. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. You're going to suffer persecution because of your light. Have you ever wondered or did you in your lifetime ago, those of you that are middle aged like me and you did all the clubbing and the party and everything, wow, all the lights are off. Can't see. You're not supposed to be able to see or hear. The music has to be so loud that you can't hear anything. It has to be so dark you can't see anything. First of all, you don't want to see how nasty those taps are that they're pouring beer out of. You don't want to see that it ain't been cleaned since the Korean War. They don't want you to see nothing in that. And then they want the music so loud. How long have you been coming here? They know that if you see clearly, you're going to see what that person really looks like. You're going to see what that, how that kitchen really cooked your food. Now just follow me. But if you just turn the lights on, all the lights on, and it kill the mood. You just kill the mood. You go into a rave party. That'd be a little newer. You just come in and say, okay, turn off all the strobe lights and all the black lights and turn all the lights on. Let's party. It kills the mood. It kills the mood. And when you live radiating the presence of the resurrected king. Just You don't have to come in preaching. You just come in and they know you didn't go out the night before. So they know not to ask you. And your light, your light, it's like turning on lights in a cave where a bunch of bats are. And I can prove it to you. I'm not judging them. You were like that. How many Christians did you hang out with before you were saved? People would ask me, so you didn't go to church? No, why would I go to church? You go in and there's this Q-beam on it. You say, I'm a night creature. I, I can't go in there. Now, we're not supposed to be so bright that we try to put people's eyes out. But God said in his word that they did not come to Jesus because the light would expose their deeds and their deeds were evil. And if I live right before you and you ask me the question, hey, you want to go Friday? And I say, oh, no, thank you. That's not light. I said, you know I can't do that. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, <laughs> that's different than no thank you, but thanks for asking. The light in us, we're the light of the world. Persecution comes. And listen, I don't have it harder than you. You live with the world. You work with the world. You rub shoulders with the world. But I got one on you. You go to meet someone and, hey, what are you doing? Well, I work at Boeing. I'm a sheet metal mechanic. Or, hey, hey, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh. What kind of church thing do you pastor at? Us Assemblies of God. Oh. So you, you, you talk in tongues and all that stuff too. Well, yes. Oh. <laughs> By the time I'm done, three strike rule. I got eight strikes before I start, you know. And I haven't levitated in the last two weeks and I'm not... You know. 
I wish I could tell you how many times I've heard this phrase from people that have took advantage of me and stolen from me. And if I stand up and say anything, and you call yourself a man of God. And they'll say to you, you call yourself a Christian. You know how you get along with the world? Turn your light on. Turn your light on. Turn, change your channel. You ever get in your friend's car and you realize how far you've come and how far you've changed? And they're playing mental illness set to music. And then you hear a song you used to jam to and you listen to the lyrics. You go, oh, oh, oh. They get in your car and Caleb's on or Pastor John's on or something. What? What? It's like two different worlds. All you have to do is turn your light down and you'll get along. We have one opportunity to let our light shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. One. One. And we turn it down for no one. I'm not turning it up to blind you or impress you. It stays at this setting all along. I'm not embarrassed of my wife in any setting, in any place, among any people. I will not act like I do not know her, do not love her, or do not appreciate her. I am reserved for her and she for me. I am exclusive to her. She is exclusive to me. I wake up with her. I go to bed with her. I eat with her. And in the same way, we are not embarrassed of earthly relationships. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of him or his words. You're not going to intimidate me by some culture that I have no desire to be a part of that says, if you'll turn it down, we'll accept you. I don't want to be accepted by you. I'm different. My home is not here. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. This is not my home. This isn't my home. See, you fit in here because it's your home. I don't like it here. What do you mean? I, mean? I have a wonderful life. I have a wonderful family. But if we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most miserable. Scripture's clear. This is a dress rehearsal, baby. This ain't the dance. This is it. So this is it for you? This is it. You're going to spend all of your youth and all of your health to obtain wealth. Then when you get old, you're going to spend all of your wealth to try to buy back your health, and then you're going to die. That's it. <laughs> That's depressing. That'll make you tune into country music all day long right now. <laughs> well, it's changed somewhat. Country music's a little better, but, you know. Y'all, I haven't told this joke in a long time, but, you know, in the 70s, they did the back masking stuff on all the heavy rock records, and you'd play it backwards, and they'd go, go kill your grandmama and put her in a suitcase or, you know, go kill a policeman or something. You know what you get when you play country music back, backwards? You get your wife back, your dog back, your trailer back. Your job back. You get it all back. <laughs> Persecution's gonna find you because of your voice. This is where the rubber meets the road. Some of us will let our light shine, but we are we measure out our words. We measure out how we answer so that we can still be accepted. Now, I'm not asking you to be the crazy Christian that wants to be rejected and makes it his point. You don't have to want to be rejected. Just live authentically and honestly and humbly and closely to the Lord Jesus. But the voice, let me read this verse to you. Mark chapter 6. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John the Baptist and bound him in prison for the sake of his wife Herodias, which was at one time 
Herod's brother Philip's wife because he married her. For John had said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Okay, time out, freeze frame, that is today. So here's John the Baptist. This man walks in with another man's wife, just took her, divorced his wife, took her as a wife. And John the Baptist said, oh, King Herod, that's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Hate speech, hate speech, you hate him, you hate him. Can you imagine how ridiculous that is? You hate me. No, 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 I don't hate you. That's why I'm trying to help you. It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Who died and made you king? There are no absolutes. Well, that's an absolute statement. If there are no absolutes, then how can you say there are no absolutes? That's an absolute statement. See, you Christians are all alike. Stop, be quiet. It was when he said, this is wrong. Not loudly, not arrogantly, not slamming it in his face, but in kindness. He said, it's not right for you to have your brother's wife. That voice. So do you think this is right? You watch it on television. They'll ask a pastor, is this wrong? It's not mine to say what's wrong, what's right. It's not. You know, God is a God of love. Is it wrong or right? And for you as a Christian, you have to prepare yourself to answer respectfully, truly. Because Jesus said, if you are ashamed of him or his words, or his words, then he'll be ashamed of you in that generation. Y'all hear them kids? That ain't grandma's children's church right there. I didn't have that growing up. I'm going to check. I didn't have that. I'm going to hold my place. You know what we had? We had a velveteen board, and you have Jonah and the whale. Whale's upside down. Jonah kept falling off. And then you'd lose Jonah. you put Moses up, and you get all the stories confused. But you held on. Because you know a little wafer's coming in about 30 minutes with a little cup of Kool-Aid. If I'm good, I get a wafer. If I'd have had that, I'd have died. I'd have went to heaven. <laughs> Two wafers. If your friend didn't like them, you always sat by him because you know he hooked you up. I'm sitting with you today, buddy. So how often do you speak? How often do you stand and say, that is wrong. That's wrong. And in their heart of hearts, they know that it's not how you say it. Because if you say it kindly and meekly, it's still going to aggravate the spirit of this world that says, there is a God and he has declared what is right and wrong. And that is wrong. Persecution comes. That's part of living godly. It's having a voice. There's a day coming very soon that I will probably be prosecuted or persecuted just for this style of preaching, just this, when it says that adultery is wrong. It's not a hate. I'm not hating on homosexuals any more than I'm hating on a man that won't be faithful to his wife. Adultery is wrong. Same-sex uh, lifestyle is wrong. Envy is wrong. Uh, unkindness is wrong. Self-centeredness is wrong. Those things are sins. And for those reasons, the wrath of God falls upon the children of disobedience. So because I want the freedom to worship the Lord based on His word and conscience does not mean that I hate people. I don't hate them. I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. But I'm not going to be quiet 
and act embarrassed of the Lord so you'll stop saying that about me. And you've got to decide what type of voice you have. For me, I've decided to have a meek, calm, firm voice. I'm not going to be, I'm not, they're not going to be confused where I stand. It's going to find you because of your fragrance. Those of you taking notes, I'm very glad because you'll want to look these verses up when you get home. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those that are being saved and among those who are perishing. Listen. To one a fragrance from death to death and from, to the other a fragrance of life to life. There are some of you that have used cologne and perfume so long and you did not know this but you killed parts of your nose and you would have to put more and more on to smell it is it okay to tell you this everybody else knows it's okay to tell you right and you you're only putting on enough to where you know it's there but by the time you're in your 60s and 70s and you've been Soaking through the pores of your skin, high karate for 50 years. We can smell you at Waffle House. You're coming. They come in the room and they hug you. And listen, as a pastor, I try to hug everybody. You've never lived till you get six or seven cheap colognes fighting for each other on the lapel of your coat. You, uh, you, you don't want food. You don't want nothing. You just want to bathe. Anyway, see, I'm giving you these so you won't forget them. You'll understand. We are a fragrance to those who are believers when we're around each other, like what I shared with you about service, before service. And we're here together, reverent, and we're here together on time, and we're here together affectionate, and we're supportive. There's a fragrance there, an air of heaven that builds me up for the week. But you go to someone else, and we're a fragrance of their impending judgment. We are fragrant to the world and to other believers and to God. And if you live godly, it's a cologne that they detest. The Bible speaks of it as being a light, something they see, being a, a fragrance, something they smell, feel, and it's abhorrent to them. I know you've had this happen, and I've had it happen several times. I remember one, the first time it happened, the very first time it happened on an airplane, somebody come walking up the aisle, and I guess the demon they had was one that I used to have or something. Caught eye contact with me. And this person looked at me like they would kill me. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, oh, okay. Oh, I recognize that demon. Hey, how you doing? There was a, there was a hatred, an immediate hatred there. I had a girl walk into church one day. She was demon possessed. I'll tell you the story later. It's true. She walked right by me. I said, good morning. He hates you. I said, tell him I hate him too. That's, that's what I said. It just came out. The spirit in her hated me on sight. And persecution is going to find you because you are bright, because you are vocal, and because you emanate a fragrance, not of this world, that reminds them that if there is another world, and if there is a righteous God, and he has redeemed you, then they are not redeemed. And that's where the hatred comes. We are not better than anyone. We are forgiven. All right. Is this okay? All right. Number two. We'll get to two this morning. 
And we'll do four next week. We'll flip through them next week. I had a lot of introduction today. All right. It's going to reveal you. The persecution to come is going to reveal you. It's going to reveal your identity. John 15, 19 and 20. The persecution is going to reveal your identity. It's one thing when you say you're a believer. It's another thing when somebody else says you're different than me. When the world attacks and says you're different. We despise you and here's why. Jesus said if you were of the world, the world would love you. But because you're not of this world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the saying I've already given unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. There's two things that are the great confirmations in our life. Well, two primary things, I should say. The witness of the Holy Spirit that lets me know that I am indeed a child of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. I'm not trying to become a son. I am a son of the living God. So the witness of the Spirit and the witness of the world. That's how I know. Even when I try and, you know, sit at the table and you're sitting there with four or five people that don't know Jesus from TJ Maxx. You know, you say, do you know Jesus? What's his last name? He goes, it's like turning magnets backwards. You can get them close, but they won't stick together. That's what lets us know. And that should provoke worship from you. You said, no matter even if I try, I cannot connect of this world because I'm not of this world. I can go back and do what I used to do, but I can't enjoy it. If I decided today, it's been 30 years, if I decided to go get a six-pack of cold ones, gooseneck preferably, so icy that the ice would run down that long neck and just trickle off the bottom, I could go right to the store and buy it. <laughs> Believer, tell me, no, you couldn't. Yes, I could. I could get right in my car and go buy it. Third or fourth one in, I'd be miserable. Can't enjoy it. You know you're ruined. If you're a Christian, you know you're ruined, right? You're wrecked. You have too much of God, you can't enjoy the world. And you got too much of the world, you can't enjoy God. you got to pick a side. And the meanest Christians in the world are, are backslid Christians. Because they can't enjoy the world. And they can't enjoy God. This is so good this morning. Do you understand? This is, they are mean. That's like a fat person at a buffet and say, you can't eat, you can't eat, you can't eat. They're going to be mean. They, they got, the, the division comes by the separation and knowing which side we're on. And when the world knows and my own heart knows, it's confirmation that I am not of this world and they will hate me like they hated Christ. It's coming, I'm telling you. Because when I was growing up, it was popular to be a Christian. Now it's not. Religion will become very popular here. Churches are going to explode and Christians are going to be persecuted. Churches that are not based upon, firmly relying upon, and exclusively leaning upon the person of Jesus Christ are going to be persecuted. And they're going to shrink. But the religions will increase. It's going to reveal your roots. The persecution to come is going to reveal your roots. Matthew 13, 20 and 21. And the seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution comes, listen, 
He has no deep roots in himself. And he endures for a while while it's easy, while it's popular, while it's profitable to name the name of Christ. But when persecution comes or tribulation on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Let your roots go down into Christ, not the church. Not Christ's chapel, not the assemblies of God. Your roots go down into the person of Jesus Christ. So you're not offended at him. The motivation for not sinning is not so you can keep a list of rules. It's that you will not disappoint the person of Jesus Christ. People with beautiful branches are going to fall away. You're going to watch it. You're going to watch it. Pastors are going to fall away on television and lead their church right with them and say, there's got to be a median road because Jesus... Uh, drew crowds unto himself and Jesus was a lover of people they're going to pull away to stop the persecution because they know instinctively that if I back up just enough I can still name his name and not be persecuted and the problem is by the time you've backed up that much you're tricked because if you live godly you will suffer persecution only ungodly Christians will be exempt only ungodly Christians will be exempt and when the winds blow and you lose your job, not only are not given the promotion, but you lose your job and they lie on you or they take film from one of our services and prosecute me as a pastor. If me and you don't have roots, we'll do what we need to do and say what we need to say to keep everything as it is. And we're going to get to this next week, but there's a cost. There's a cost to the believer in persecution. Persecution that doesn't cost you is only disapproval. And he didn't say disapproval will come. It will, but the persecution that comes, the way we stand, the way you can bury a child that you prayed for, and you stay true to God, the way you stand when everything you've worked for, the company steals your 401k and you lose it, and the way you stand with God when he doesn't answer a certain prayer is that your roots are deeper than the strength of the storm. And you're going to lose some leaves. And you're going to lose some branches. But this house will not fall, the Bible says. The one that hears the words of God and does them. That house will not fall. It's going to reveal your origin, your source. 1 John 5, 4, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. It overcomes the world. It's the source. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies. You do understand one of the most painful things is not going to be what the world says, but what the church says about us. I don't, I, I've already heard it as a pastor. I've already heard it. I don't want to be a part of a church like that, referring to mine, ours. I don't want to be a part of that. It, it hurts to be misunderstood or maligned, but also it reveals the source when you continue. When you continue, you understand that you're born of God because it overcomes everything. It overcomes whatever disappointments you have, uh, whatever uh, disillusionments, whatever loss. And, you know, we hear stories... Man, all you have to do is read Fox's Book of Martyrs from the first generations, uh, hundreds of years after uh, the resurrection of Christ. And when you read about what men suffer today, 
common, common overseas where they have to hide in groups knowing that if they're caught worshiping, just caught, that their children will be killed in front of them first. Then the wife will be raped and killed in front of the husband second. And then the husband, after watching the terror of it, will be killed third. And that's the perspective I'm trying to give you. That, and some of, we can't even come on time. And, and they, they risk their lives to worship. The source, your origin, will be proven in persecution. Because there's a part of you that says, I will not deny him. I will not denounce him. I'm not embarrassed of him. Whatever it cost, it cost. And it will cost. It's going to reveal your foundation, your source. And it's going to reveal your commitment. John eleven sixteen. Many people know Thomas only as doubting Thomas. But when he was going to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, there was such uh, uh, opposition coming to Jesus at this time. This is what T Thomas said. And then Thomas, which is called Didymus, said unto his fellow disciples, Let's go with Jesus that we may die with him. Hear that. This is going to cost us our life, but let's do this. Are you prepared? Or have you begun preparation? And I know what you're feeling, some of you. I don't even want to think about it. It's coming. Have you prepared to downsize? Have you prepared to be cheated out of employment? Have you prepared to be falsely accused? Prosecuted? Have you prepared yourself? Whatever scenario that you're not going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. The person that prepares for something doesn't have to think about it when it happens. Thomas said, okay, let's, let's go die with him. Some people naively think that they don't have the strength to live for him, but they'd be willing to die for him. And it's just not so. Lisa, if you'd come, please. And finally, it's going to reveal our priorities. Generally, men are wired this way. We're wired to think, how am I going to provide? A, a true man will. The woman cares for the children in a way that the man, it's different. He can't, he can't know a motherly instinct. But a woman doesn't understand a man's uh, responsibility he feels to protect and provide. Protect and provide. Protect and provide. I wouldn't give you a dollar and a half for a man that will not work to provide for his family. I, w I wouldn't give you the time of day for him because something innate is broken in him because a man wants to protect and provide. And hey, I'm, I'm not boasting. This is supposed to be normal. This is supposed to be normal. But the Bible is clear that I'm not to love wife, my brother, or children, or possessions. That I am to set my affections on things above. I'm not to love them in comparison to Christ. That's counterintuitive to the fleshly part. To the man, the verse today would be, 
Lay not up for yourselves treasures, or lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where rust nor moth nor thief can get to. Because those that live for this world have it. If you live, love this life, you have this life. But if you lose your life for Christ's sake, you'll find it. Persecution is going to reveal priorities. Will I lose provision to be faithful? It's not going to be real popular to be a preacher before long. All of us, th this message shouldn't make you afraid. This second part, you'll want to be here for the second part because the first two are kind of heavy. There's great reward. The Bible speaks, he says, there's a spirit, the spirit of God rested on you, abideth on you when this happens. And any one of you that's given up houses or lands or anything in this lifetime, you'll receive a hundredfold in this lifetime and in the one to come, eternal glory. Happy are you, blessed are you, to be envied are you when men say all manner of evil against you. It's one thing to say you love him. It's another thing to sing you love him. And it's another thing for your life to say to the Father. Angels reporting as, as the cloud of witnesses look on. As he loves you more than his life. He loves you more than his babies. He loves you more than his home. Elohim, you are first in Andy's life and Sandra's life. First. That's the glory of the believer. God first. We're not lining up for persecution. We just see it coming and said, if it must be, it must be. I will not deny your name. There's nothing that I hold on to here. If you can't keep it, it's not going to be kept. I want to be true. Now, give me two or three minutes and we're done. So in another place, parallel, let's just say there's another Christ chapel somewhere. And they said, don't worry about it. None of this is going to happen. When it comes, there's no preparation. They're going to huddle their family, hold on to their house, and they're going to deny the Lord. Because they weren't ready. And he said, if you deny me, I'll deny you. So the preparation is not uh, a morbid, oh, there's nothing to this world. Everything is on record. This is the beauty of it. Every cup of cold water given in his name is gets a reward. So every time they curse you, it says, it says glory resides on you. Be happy and be, you're envious. And one place it says, and I finish with this, and after they beat them, they said, don't speak of his name anymore. And they left limping bruised and their eyes closed and they high-fived each other and said, isn't it wonderful that we were accounted worthy to be beaten for the name of Jesus? Whoa. He, he thought we were worthy. One more visual illustration. I got preaching me this morning. I'm sorry. I'm trying to close. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. We're going to beat the Baptist SNS. Sure enough, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Paul 
When you look at the things he suffered, he was shipwrecked, beaten with rocks, left for dead, whipped 39 times with lashes, three times, because 40 would kill you. He suffered that three times. And he had the most powerful anointing. And I believe it was because of persecution. One day, he stood in front of a body of believers, took his shirt off. He turned to them, and there were scars wider than his middle fingers that wrapped around his body. And he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Compare that to what we present today on stages and say, here are our ministers. If I can be remotely someone that can endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, I'd rather have that than 10,000 spotlights on me on a stage. For heaven to say, he was willing. He was willing. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? This is not one of those sermons where we want to necessarily repent. I mean, if you feel in your heart a need to is one thing. It's to prepare. Lord, I want you to be first. I want me to be so concrete in my decisions. I want to be firm in my resoluteness. I want to know you. Not just in the power of the resurrection, but the fellowship of your sufferings. I want to stand. I want to stand. I want to be a voice for you. I won't let you suffer by yourself. If they call you the devil, they can call me the devil too. If they blaspheme your name, I'm going to stand and say, don't you talk about my Savior that way. Surely, if they can be bold in their sin, we can be bold in our righteousness. Surely. Would you stand with me this morning? With every persecution comes great glory. I want to tell you on record, I ain't worried about it. Because my Lord takes care of me and my wife and my babies. And I want you to know that he knows the concerns you have as a mother. And the concerns you have as a daddy and a grandmother and a grandfather. And you're not by yourself in this. This is a short window of time. The Lord's return is near. Don't be distracted. Don't pull back. Let's finish. All in. I love to tell the devil the few times I talk to him from my old days. He knows what it means. I put it in. I said, you think I'm bluffing? Call me. Prepare for great confirmation. Prepare for heavenly affirmation. Prepare for the Spirit of God and glory to reside on your shoulders. Prepare for witnesses of the Spirit, dreams in the night. 
Prepare for God's glory to surround you and said, I got this. We got this. You're just preparing yourself for the rewards you'll wear in eternity forever. You got this. Persecution will come. But, even, but Christ is even under and over that. Because underneath it all are his everlasting arms. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He that keeps you does not slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper in the shade upon your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will preserve you from all evil and preserve your soul. He'll preserve you going out and you're coming in from this day forward and forevermore. Amen? All right, believers, be dismissed. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.